0: Well, good morning again, everyone. And if you're watching us online this morning, whether it's Facebook Live or our website or the CW, we're so glad you're joining us from your home or wherever you are. God bless you. Hey, do me a favor, all of you that are here live, take the bulletin out, tear that perforation for me. And I just want to draw your attention to two things. The wide portion you can take notes on, which I I encourage every week. The thin portion is a communication card that you can update your information or give us contact information for the first time. We'll get you on our mailing list. But at the top of that sheet, there's a a place for prayer requests. And we pray for these every week as a staff. We send it out to people in our church, dozens of people that pray over these every week. If you just drop it in the box attached to the wall on your your way out this morning, we will get that on the prayer list. And if you have a physical offering, cash, or a a check this morning you want to worship the Lord with, just drop that in in the same box on the way out. Uh, let's pray this morning. God, we are so humbled that you have chosen to work through this church over 138 years. Uh, we're, we're humbled to be a part of this season of history. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives in the community, Lord. We, we pray blessing over every church in the city today that revival would break forth, that people would be saved, changed, and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. Um, Hey, turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. Luke, chapter 8. Find the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book of the New Testament. We're also going to look in Mark, chapter 5, at at the same story in two different Gospels this morning. Amen. A mission statement is critical to every organization, uh, churches included. Mission statements are vital because they... They help to define roles and assignments within an organization. Uh, They they help to unify the entire organization around a single purpose. And they're supposed to help uh, kind of guide the budget or the the spending in the organization as you align that with your your mission statement. Um, If if an organization doesn't know and stick to its mission statement, essentially it's going to drift from its purpose. So I I think it's essential that every member of an organization knows by memory, they they know by heart, the mission statement of the organization they're a part of, so take a look at this.
1: I've been here for over 40 years. Without looking it up, can you tell me Central Church's current mission statement? (laughs) No, not without looking it up to know God and make him known? That's not right. <laughs> Something about an oikos? Nope. I am here with the one and only facilities manager, Jerry Swingle. How long have you been a part of Central? Uh, 14 years. And without looking it up, can you tell me our mission statement in full? Uh, no. Gosh, I'm thinking of the ABCs on the side of the wall. Okay. It's
0: ABC. No, is it not?
1: It's not, but that's okay. Connecting people with a life that counts for eternity. There's more. I do not know the rest. Do you even want to try? Can I turn around and look real quick? No. I can't. All
0: right,
1: thanks, All right. Okay. Marianne, come here. You are so confident. Employee of the year. Can you tell us the full mission statement? No. Pretty sure she doesn't know it. Love Jesus and love others. Something. Nope. Don't know it. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you for trying. We've been um, coming to Central for thirty-seven years. Can you please tell us the Central mission statement? Connecting old Mike. Not connecting old Mike. No, I cannot. Connecting people. No. Connecting people with. Can I go look on the wall? You cannot. And creating their Oi around. something to do with Oi I know that. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good guess. We talk about Oi a lot. We should really have the mission statement in our hallways. It's right here. <laughs> and it's the list of things, and I cannot remember. Leading other people to a life that matters, something like that. Is it like connecting people, building them first, build them, and then connecting people, and then going, having them go <laughs> into a world. I don't know. Connect, they'll go, but like, what are they connecting to? Into a world. Which world, Grace? The current one that we're in right now. <laughs> connecting people with a life that counts for eternity by... Bringing them to Jesus. <laughs> connecting... Connecting people with... Christ for a life for eternity. Still close. Connecting people with a life that counts... For a life for eternity. By... by building disciples who go and change lives. Thanks. You are not putting that on screen. You are not.
0: We're changing our mission statement. (laughs) More on that later. One of the the worst feelings in life is the feeling of being not needed uh, or unnecessary, or you're expendable, you're dispensable. It happens in relationships, it happens in the workplace, it happens in sports where we realize that we're not needed uh, or, or we have no sense of purpose there. Um, I, I was in high school and, and the, the, uh, the head cheerleader all of a sudden just started showing an interest in me. And I'm like, whoa, this is all right, right? And so her friend said, why don't you ask her out? She'd love to go out with you. So we started going out. And, and I should have been a, l- a little smarter as to, why would the head cheerleader be interested in me in the first place? I, I was a basketball player. But we dated for a few months, and I just like fell for her. I was like so into her. And a few months later, she, she broke up with me. You know, this, it, it's not you, it's me. Whole <laughs> speech or whatever. And... Um, <laughs> But, but it wasn't so much that she, that she, that the fact that she broke up with me, it's what she said to me and why she broke up with me. So she was honest and she said, Jeff, I, I just have to be honest with you. I was dating so-and-so and he was the captain of the, of the football team and we broke up and, and, and so I started dating you to make him jealous. And, but we're gonna, we're gonna get back together now so I don't need you anymore. <laughs> like, wow, like my heart's just shattered right now. Um, the, the feeling of not, not being necessary in, in someone's life. Um, I, I took a position at a church on staff. I wasn't the lead pastor. They hired me essentially for two things. One was to teach on Wednesday nights, uh, their believer's service, and just teach uh, expositorily, verse by verse, through books of the Bible, Second thing was they didn't have a life group ministry, so they wanted me to, to develop from the ground up a life group ministry. So started teaching on Wednesday nights, the crowd started growing, it became a really uh, you know, good service, uh, and, and then we started life group ministry, and, and that was going pretty well. And, and they came to me a couple years later and they said, you know, Jeff, people are having to choose between either Wednesday night service or life group, and we don't want them to have to compete with that decision, so we're going to phase out the Wednesday night service. I'm like, okay, well, that's what I love doing. That's why I came here. But okay, we'll continue with the life groups. And then a few months later, they came in, they said, they said, hey, Jeff, we're going to change kind of the philosophy of life, life groups. We want to get more people involved. And essentially what they said was, we, we want like, anyone to be able to lead these groups. Like, you don't even have to be a Christian to lead these groups. And I'm like, no way. Like, you need to be a spiritual leader to lead people in the church, and so you at least have to be a Christian. And they said, no, we, we really want to move in a different direction. So there was nothing for me to do at that point. So I just le- I left that church and, and went back to California. Uh, again, kind of, the you know, we're, we're moving in a different direction. Uh, many of you have heard that speech. We're, we're, we're going with someone else or we're doing a different thing here. Um, it, it happens in sports. You're on a sports team and you practice every day, but you sit the bench during the game. You never get into the game. I want you to know that that never, ever happens with God's purpose. Uh, here's what I want you to walk away with today. Every Christian is vital to God's mission, everyone. Every Christian is vital to God's mission. You're never going to hear God say to you as a Christian, um, you know what, I, I don't have need for you anymore, I'm, I'm dating someone else, or yeah, yeah, you can come to practice, but I don't need you in the game. No, he wants you in the game. He's never going to come and say to you, you know what, my, my kingdom, we're kind of moving in a different direction. We don't need folks like you. He'll never, ever say that because every Christian is vital to God's mission. And if you're a Christ follower, you are vital to God's purpose today in the earth. And there's a story in Luke chapter 8. This story we're going to look at kind of teaches this, this principle that there's no one that God doesn't want among his people, no Christian, that God doesn't want to engage and employ for his purpose. And so if you're in Luke chapter 8, just a quick background. Most of Jesus' ministry was in the, on the, the, the western edge or the western coast of the Sea of Galilee. And he and the disciples sail across the Sea of Galilee, across that lake, to the other side, to a region called Gadara. When they land on the shores of Gadara, they're immediately met by a demon-possessed man. That's where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. So Jesus and the disciples sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And when Jesus came out onto the land, onto the shore, he was met by a man from the city, who was possessed with demons. Notice plural, demons, many demons. And and he had not put on any clothing, this demon-possessed man, for a long time. He didn't live in a house. He lived in the tombs or the cemetery. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. That's not the man speaking. That's the demons speaking through the man, recognizing that Jesus was the Christ and that there was going to come a day when they, all of the demons and Satan himself would be cast into hell and they would be judged. And he's saying, you know, what do I have to to do with you, Jesus? This isn't the time yet. And um, so the the story goes on. Verse 29, "Um, for he, Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man because it, it had seized him many times, got control of him and He was bound with chains, the man, and shackles, and he was kept under guard, and yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Uh, They would chain him and lock him up, but the demon power inside of him would just simply shatter those shackles. If you turn back one book with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, same story, just a little different perspective. Mark, chapter 5, verse 1. Again, Jesus and the disciples came to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, into the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. And no one was strong enough to subdue this man. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming in the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. What a a horrible story. What a horrible life. A a man um, possessed by demons, has no no control over his mind, no control over his words, no control over his actions, running around naked in in the city, living in the tombs. What a horrific existence. And he encounters Jesus Christ. What what a day that was for this guy. What What do we know about this guy from the text? Well, the first thing we know is he was possessed. He was possessed by demons, multiple demons. In fact, if you continue in the story, Jesus asks the demon, what is your name? And the demon says, legion, because we are many. This is the story where Jesus, when he cast the demons out of the man, the demons went into a herd of swine, a herd of pigs, and, and they ran off the cliff to their death. So this man was filled with, with multiple demons and possessed, didn't have control over his faculties. He was so deeply possessed by Satan. Well, not only was he, was he possessed, but he was suicidal. The story says that he would take rocks and gash himself, cut himself taking larger stones and trying to kill himself. The internal pain in his life was so strong that he tried to silence the pain by beating himself and harming himself. Sometimes I wonder if, if the chains that the people in the city uh, attached to him were, were sometimes to protect him from himself, to protect him from killing himself. Not only was he suicidal, but he was sinful. By sinful, I mean he was, he was ceremonially unclean according to Jewish law. Jews couldn't touch dead people, they couldn't touch corpses, they couldn't even touch graves. This man lived in the graveyard, he lived in the cemetery, he was around death all the time, he was unclean and considered a sinner by the Jewish people. He was dangerous, dangerous to himself and dangerous to society, thus they would would try to bind him with chains, try try to subdue him, and yet it says because of the demon's strength inside of him, they would simply shatter the chains and the shackles and they'd They'd fall off. He was not only dangerous to himself and to society, but he was homeless. We already saw that. He didn't have a home. He lived outside in the tombs, in the cemetery. And not only was he um, homeless, but he was, he was socially awkward. I mean, the dude ran around naked. You talk about awkward, okay, like no one in the city really wants to be around. You're walking with your kids. You put your hands over their eyes right when this guy's around. So that's the guy that I want to recruit for my team. How about you? That's the guy, when we have an opening in our organization, that's the guy I want to hire. Look at his resume. (laughs) Suicidal, demon-possessed, homeless, and he runs around naked. That's not the guy that I want on my team. But it's the guy Jesus wanted on his team. Because every Christian is vital to God's mission. Now, while we would have discounted this guy, while, while we would not have put him on our team, Jesus does. The story goes on, and it says that Jesus casts these hundreds, perhaps, of demons out of this guy's life, sets him free. Uh, it, it says that, the, that when the pigs ran off the cliff, it created such a commotion. You can imagine in that city that everyone from the town r- ran to see what was happening, and when they, when they got to this man, he was fully restored, He'd been healed by Jesus, delivered by Jesus. He he had his mental faculties back. It says that he was clothed and with the right mind. He had his mind again, not afflicted by demons any longer. His emotions were whole again. Physically, he was whole again. Jesus had completely set him free. What a day for this guy. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, peaceful for the first time in who knows how many years, and people are walking up going, That's the freak. Is that him? Is that the naked dude? Like, it looks like him, but it doesn't look like him. Like, is it possible that that could be the the man from the tombs? Is it possible that could be the guy that, that was screaming all the time and hitting himself with rocks? Is it possible he could be totally free? And he was. Jesus had completely freed him. So, so here, here's this story, this guy that's been completely changed and transformed by Christ. And all he wants to do is be with Jesus. Can you, wouldn't you? I mean, Jesus completely set him free. He just wants to go with Jesus. He wants to get on the boat with Jesus. He wants to travel with Jesus I mean, if you're Jesus, like if you're, if you're a preacher, this is the greatest thing ever. Look at this guy's story. Like, like he needs to be on the cover of Jesus Christ magazine, right? He needs to be on the preaching tour with Jesus. Jesus gets up and preaches the gospel and preaches salvation. Then he says, let me tell you about my Gadarene friend. Come on up. And he's like, yeah, I used to be possessed by demons. Chains couldn't hold me. I ran around naked. I was destructive to everything around me. But then Jesus set me free. I mean, people get saved like crazy, right? Like he's the, I mean, we do that, right? People have a great story. We put it on video. We share with you how Jesus changed their life. Jesus didn't do that. Why not? Why not bring this guy along? Why not let him come on the preaching tour? The evangelistic crusades. Like, this guy's story's amazing. We pick it up in verse 18 of John or Mark chapter 5. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was begging Jesus that he might accompany him. And Jesus didn't let him. Why not? Why not? Like, like ask yourself that question. Why not? Does that seem harsh of Jesus to say, no, you can't come with me? What does Jesus say to him? Instead, Jesus said to him, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was what? They were what? Why? Do you think they knew him? They knew him. It's the naked dude. That's the freak. That's the crazy man. But he's not crazy anymore. And Jesus knew that this guy's story was going to be way more powerful with people that knew him than people that didn't know him. Oh, he could come on the preaching tour and he'd be sharing a story, they'd be going, okay, that's great. I don't know you. I don't even know if that's true. But when you're when you're in contact with people in constant relationship with them, and they know you, and suddenly you are transformed by the power of Christ, they know it. Because let me tell you what that verse says when he says, Go home to your people, it's a very simple statement in the Greek language. It just says go to your oikos, literally in the Greek, go to your oikos. Oikos, I mean, many people in that video thought that was our mission statement because we talk so much about oikos around here. What is oikos? Oikos is a Greek word. When it's translated into your English Bible, it's translated house, household, home, family, peeps, people, Your relational world. It's the the eight to 15 people or more in your life that God has supernaturally and strategically put in relationship with you so you can share Christ with them. That's your oikos. It's the people in your world, it's the people at school, people at work, people in your neighborhood, people that you know, people in your family, your friends that God has connected you with and you, you are regularly in relationship with. It's not everybody at school, it's not everybody at work, it's not everybody in the neighborhood, but God supernaturally and strategically does put you in a relationship with some people. You have an oikos, you have a relational world, and so do I, and it could be totally different. May, maybe there's a couple people, mutual friends, that, that, are, that are in both of our oikoses. but for the most part, you have your own relational world, and so did this guy. And Jesus said, you are are the best person, the best use of your time for the kingdom of God is not to come with me, it's to go to your people. Who are your people? Who are are the people in your life that don't know Jesus? That's who Jesus sends you to. That's your mission, that's why you're so valuable to the kingdom of God, because I could not go to your relational world and have the impact that you can have. Because those people sit on the front row of your life. They see you up close and personal. They, they know if there's any sense of hypocrisy in your life. They know if when you say, I'm a Christian, but you don't live up to it, they know if you're a hypocrite. Those are the people God sends you to, your oikos. And so when we, when we redid our mission statement, we said it has to be central to oikos. It has to have something to do with oikos, because that's, that's in the DNA of who we are as a church, And so here's our new mission statement. Central Church exists to help you share the love of Jesus with your relational world. That's why we exist as a church. You can clap if you want. It, It had to align with this mission. Why do we exist? To help you share the love of Christ with the people that God has assigned to you in your relational world. Doesn't that sound like this story? Doesn't our mission statement now sound like what Jesus sent this guy to do? Essentially, he says, go to your oikos and tell them about my mercy. Tell them about my love. Tell them about how I've changed your life. Tell them the great things that God has done in your life. Go to your oikos. And so we've aligned our our mission statement with that story. I wanted, I wanted a mission statement, and, and our, our staff worked on it, our, our lead team, our elder board really all kind of contributed to that and, and, and worked on it a little bit. But I wanted to be able, after I preach or anyone preaches a sermon in this church, I wanted to be able to, to simply remind them of the mission statement. I wanted to be able to say, after I preached a message, how does this teaching, how does this message, how does this truth help you to share Christ's love with your relational world? And so we'll do that every week. How, how does what we're talking about today, how does it help you share Jesus with those who don't know him in your life? So you can take it, internalize it for you and your life and your family, and then take it with you to those who don't know Christ. So how do we do that? If you're taking those, let me give you four quick thoughts on, on how we can begin to share Christ's love with our relational world. The first is this, you have to identify your oikos. You have to identify your oikos. When you came in today, in your bulletin, you got a bookmark. And on one side, it has our new mission statement. On the other side, it says, people in my oikos. And what we'd like you to do is to write down today or tomorrow or this week, whenever you have a chance, write down the names of everyone in your relational world, in your family, at the workplace, at school, your friends, your neighborhood, that you have a relationship with, but they don't know Christ. Who are those folks? And we want you to pray with them, for them, every day. Put this in your Bible, and when you take it out, just begin to go over those names and say, God, would you open their hearts to your truth? Would you soften them? Would you make them curious spiritually? Would you draw them Holy Spirit toward Jesus? Would you make it, Lord, so that when I, when I talk to them or invite them to church, that they'd be willing to come? God, would you, would you work on their hearts? We want you to write down on your oikos bookmark the names of everybody in your relational world that doesn't know Christ. Not only do we want you to identify them, we want you to invest in them. We want you to invest in these relationships. Invest in your oikos. We want you to spend time with them. We want you to serve them. We want you to to ask if you can pray for them. We want you to care for them. And then we want you to share your story with them. We want you to build trust into those relationships. We, we want you to have such solid relationships with the people in your world that when they go through a crisis, they can come to you and say, I know you're a Christian, I, I just need to know more about God. So you're that person in their life that they can come to when God begins to work on their hearts. We want you to invest in your oikos. The third thing we want you to do is we want you to invite them. Invite them to What? We, we want you to invite them to church events, places like this where they can be around other Christians and they, and they can understand what it means to be a Christ follower. Maybe they're not ready for church. Maybe they're not, they're not ready for a church service. We have all kinds of events here at the church that are sort of a first step toward God. Uh, 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 kind of a, a waiting pool to, to begin to get there. Like, like next month, we're having a daddy-daughter dance, and there's tickets are going fast, so you better get a hold of those. But, but guys, why don't you invite some of your, your guy friends that have daughters? It, it's a great event. It's in the church, but it's not a hyper-spiritual event. They, they would feel welcome. They'd have a great time, and it would be getting them into the door of a church. We host the Global Leadership Summit in August, Guys, that's a, a great opportunity, men and women, to invite business leaders or people from the community to come. Come into a church. It's not a super strong evangelistic Christian message, but it's a good, solid teaching on leadership. There's lots of things you can invite them to. Men, we have a men's summit in January. Um, Restoration Generation is the, is the sponsor, but, but we host it. Invite your guy friends to be a part of that. There's so many things. Tonight we have a reveal night at 6 p.m., just tell them it's a concert. Tell them we got a great cover band and just just see if they wanna if they wanna come and hang out for, for a couple, no beers or anything, but just tell them, just come, you'll have you'll have a good time, right? And then when they get here, they'll go, oh, that's not what I was expecting, but it'll be a good thing. And help let God sort it out in their lives, right? I mean, there's so many things that that you can, if you feel like they're ready to come to church, invite them to a church service and let the Holy Spirit work on them. But not only identify them and invest in them, but you have to begin to invite them to something that that has God written all over it. Amen? And so we want to partner with you in that. And then the last thing we, we want you to do is to invest in yourself. How are you going to begin to share this message of truth with people if you're not equipped? And so we've got all kinds of things here at the church, all kinds of ways to help equip you. Beginning April 25th, all of our life groups are going to be going through a four-week curriculum on the gospel of Christ and how to share it with others. If you are in a life group, we're encouraging every group to go through it. If you're not in a life group, today you can sign up to get in in an existing group or a new group by going to the welcome desk in our our main lobby, Grand Central, and just get, get signed up for a life group. And just go through those four weeks and get equipped. We have a morning uh, daily prayer time, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. on our Facebook live page. You can, you, we, we pray for our oikos. We pray for our relational world. We pray for ourselves. You, you can learn how to pray in those particular areas. Uh, we, we have a, a, a men's um, discipleship training class called Disciples Made and, and we run it regularly, it, men, that would be a great opportunity for you to, to learn the Bible and to learn how to share your faith and those kinds of things. We have a, a women's ministry called Woven. It's a women's mentoring ministry. Uh, it, 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 it's already you know, almost finished, I think, but you could next time it comes around, sign up. There's so many ways, or church services, and, and, you know, just come every week and, and get teaching and get encouragement on how to share Jesus with your relational world. Friends, we take this serious, serious enough that we changed our mission statement to align with the call of Christ to go into the world and to make disciples. Well, how does this work? What does it look like in real life? Pastor Neil's going to come and share a story about how that's worked in our church.
2: This is just a quick story about how God can take one family's journey with Jesus and use them to impact that of another family. So we're going to start out by introducing the Versteeg family. There they are, Kevin and Judy Versteeg, along with their kids, uh, Tracy and uh, Dane and Tate, along with Tate's wife, Kayla. So 10 years ago, the Versteegs uh, were looking for a church, and they wanted a church where their kids would be excited about, uh, about attending, where they would be invested in, where they would grow in their faith. Um, and so every week for seven straight months, they visited a different church with no repeats. That's a lot of churches. And Central wasn't even on their list because they thought Central was just too big. They didn't want to be another number. Uh, they wanted to be part of a family. And so they, they stayed away from Central until finally, uh, after months of frustration, somebody convinced them, just give Central a try. Well, they were surprised to know some people that attended Central already uh, from, from their kids' school. And so that was, that was kind of cool. They walked in the door and, and knew some people. And then they were strategically placed here in the worship center right beside Adam Barrett. <laughs> and it was game over. Adam got his hooks in him. Uh, Adam you know, engaged with their kids and invited them to Student Central. And the vestiges have been here ever since. They have been serving and learning and growing um, all over the place through missions trips, uh, serving on Sunday mornings and Wednesdays. Uh, Tate manages Central Perk Cafe. Dane is up here on stage this morning. They are sharing the love of Jesus and, and leading people to Christ by investing in them. Well, here's where the story gets interesting. The Versteeg's daughter, Tracy, started inviting girls from her high school to attend Student Central with her. And four or five of them started coming to her life group. One of those girls was Brenna Stevens. Brenna was a little reluctant to to attend at first, um, but about halfway through her freshman year of high school, Brenna started coming and she started seeing God do things in her life. And, and, And a couple months later, Brenna's older brother, Jalen, started coming as well. And he was involved in Dane's life group. And that summer, Dane and Tracy and Brenna and Jalen all went on a Chicago missions trip where Jalen prayed to receive Christ. God was at work in their lives. (laughs) Meanwhile, back at the ranch, Matt and Cindy Stevens are seeing these changes in their kids. And they're thinking, oh, we want that for ourselves. That Brenna and Jalen would come home from, from Student Central on Wednesday nights and they'd stay up till midnight talking about what they're learning and the people they're meeting and what God is doing in their life. And Matt and Cindy knew, like, we're, we're drifting. We've been, our family has, has not really been walking with the Lord. Uh, we want to know what it looks like to have Jesus make a difference difference in our lives. And so after a conversation with the Versteegs, the Stevens family, uh, Matt and Cindy, along with their younger kids, Peyton and Paige and Carson and Brenna and Jalen, all came here on a Sunday morning for the first time. It was Easter Sunday five years ago, and they experienced God in a powerful way. And ever since then, the Stevens family has grown in their faith. They've learned what it looks like to walk with Jesus for a lifetime. And they've publicly expressed that faith by being baptized together as a family. That was a big day. And now they are serving here at Central like crazy. Cindy is involved in Woven. Matt and Jalen and Brenna are all leading Student Central Life Groups. The younger girls are teaching in Kids Central, and they're serving at Central Perk. You can't swing a dead cat around here without hitting a Stevens. (laughs) So what is the point of this story? Jesus changes lives. And when you know and experience the love of Jesus, you can't help but share it with your relational world. One of the coolest things about what, uh, what this families are doing now, the Versteegs and the Stevens, both couples, are co-leading a life group with young couples, newlyweds and engaged couples. They're investing in the next generation. So it's not just about them and their families. They're pouring into the lives of others. Folks, it's not that tough to do. When you know and experience the love of Jesus, Just invite and invest and build into those people who God has placed in your world and see what God does.
0: If a freshman girl in high school can reach out to her friends, can invest in relationships, identify who they are, and then invite them to what God's doing in in her life, why can't we? How many of us today can have the boldness of the Holy Spirit to go and build into people what God has built into us and invite them to the life that we enjoy? So, so it's great this morning that we're talking about a, a new mission statement. That's wonderful, and we want you to remember that and all of that. But, but, but the truth is this morning that there, there's somebody here that's like this man in the story. The man before he met Christ. The man whose life was, was lived in darkness whose life was lived in depression, whose life was lived separate from Christ. See, the reality, friends, is you can not know Christ, and that doesn't mean that you're demon-possessed like this man. But, but the reality is there's only, there's only two worlds we can live in. One is under the influence of Satan and his control, and one is under the control of Jesus Christ. There's no in-between. Either you're living in the kingdom of God or you're living in the kingdom of darkness. And, and this morning, I would like to invite you to take a step If you've never taken the step from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want to invite you to make that decision right now. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And if you're here this morning and, and you want to know Jesus, we say it's as easy as A, B, C. A, you have to admit that you've sinned against God and you're separate from him. B, you have to believe that Jesus Christ alone can save you because of his sacrifice on the cross and C, to commit your life to following him you pray that with me if that's you this morning just say Jesus I admit that I've sinned I'm a sinner I need forgiveness and I believe that you you died to take my sin on the cross would you forgive me this morning God of my past sin my present sin and my future sin would you cleanse me from all of that and I surrender my soul I surrender my life to your leadership would you save me and be the leader of my life. And Lord, for the rest of us this morning, would you, would you help us to see our mission? Would you help us to see our, our daily call from you to share your love with the world around us, specifically those that you've connected us with? God, fill us with the Holy Spirit again and give us power and boldness to share our story. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand as we worship. Just a couple things as you leave this morning. If, if you made the decision today to take a step into the kingdom of God, to receive Jesus Christ, I, I want you to do one of two things. We, we want to help you with that decision. On your communication card, you, you can just let us know that, that today I, I made the decision to follow Christ or recommit my life, or I'd like to talk to someone about what that means. If you'll fill that out and drop it in the box on the way out, we will contact you. Or take out your phone right now and just text Start with Jesus to that number, and we will get a hold of you and help you with your first steps. as as what it means to be a Christ follower. In your bulletin today, you got these little clingers um, that say, who will uh, will you share the love of Jesus with today? That's to put on your mirror and and to remind you every day that as you go into the world, you have a mission, you have a purpose in Jesus Christ. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we have a a reveal night, a night of worship at 6, but at 5.15, we're inviting anyone that wants to come to pray with us uh, before that event to see God move in a powerful way. As you leave this morning, be encouraged that God has a purpose and a plan for you. And, and may your life be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. May you see yourself as a vital part of God's mission. And may you go to your oikos and, and tell them how much God has done for you and how he had mercy on you. Amen. Have a great day.